Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's committed to covering every video game that features constant death. I'm your host and Thirsty Mage Video Game Club Community Manager, David Lloyd, and for this Halloween special, we're enjoying a good scare in the gothic hellscape of Bloodborne. Joining me on this episode, chock full of rage quits and cursing sprees, is a gentleman who lives and breathes the Soulsborne genre, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. I think it's pretty ironic that you got through that whole introduction about an episode about Bloodborne, and Bloodborne's all about dying. <laughs> and not once did you die during the opening segment of the uh, so far of the uh, the podcast. So kudos to you, David. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, well, if it's anything like my playthrough, then uh, yes, I, I'll get through the introduction quite fine, and then I'll be utterly massacred throughout the uh, the rest of the podcast. So. I, I felt like when we were setting this up and we, I guess we were all starting Bloodborne again or for the, maybe for the first time, I felt like I had to give advice to people. But I, I mean, it, really giving advice in this game is kind of useless because it's all about kind of how you explore, especially the beginning of the game and figure it out for yourself and figure out what strategies work for you in terms of making progress, right? Are you going to be uh, very aggressive and run through the game and just pick up items as you go? Or are you going to be more methodical and lure enemies out by maybe throwing rocks at them or whatever? And um yeah, I, I realized uh, that telling people kind of what what I would do or, or how to play maybe the beginning areas is uh, not all that helpful. Yeah, so. all, all I can come up with is just try to die less. That, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes sometimes dying more is a good thing actually because if you if you figure out their the enemy's patterns or you see maybe see a little bit more of them and then go back to the um, uh, uh, the the hub world area where you can level up. Like for me, like I. I I die a lot, but I go and get my souls and I transport back and I spend them and I just kind of keep going back and try to get a little bit more strong, a little bit stronger every time. And um, But I am curious to hear about everyone else's experience with the game too. Mm-hmm. And the everyone else that we have, uh, it's been a long time since uh, someone has joined me for a pint on the show. So we had to call our friends from across the pond. So on this episode, we're joined by Ben Congleton and Steve Leyland from the site, The Cross Players. Hello. Hello. You, uh, you, you were so close to saying my name properly there, David, as well. That was... I, I spoke too soon as soon as I, I said that he had screw up. He was going to screw yeah. up. If there's one word that's going to that's that's kill bad. him, that's that bad. would be the word. Well, you said mine perfectly, so thanks very much. That's the first time on the podcast that uh, when you have your first first experience of the podcast that you actually get your name pronounced correctly because most people, uh, their first go against botched pretty good. So, Steve, you're welcome back, but Ben, I think that's three strikes and you're out here. So That's fair. I'll take Sorry, that. Sorry, dude. <laughs> So uh, as as the uh, the guests on the show and uh, likely the the two likely most likely to have an alcoholic drink, why don't you guys kick off? Uh, maybe starting with Ben, what you guys are drinking this uh, this evening? Sure. Um, well, I'm going to disappoint you slightly, David, as I'm not drinking a beer, uh, unfortunately. I'm just yeah, just trying to cut down on the beer. I I have noticed since the pandemic kicked off, my beer consumption has possibly got a little bit out of control. Um, I don't think you're. I don't think you're the only one in that <laughs> camp, Ben. So, so I, I subscribed. I think I might mentioned it mm. last time I was on, but I subscribed to a beer subscription service, which delivers, you know, a, a crate of various lovely exotic beers uh, every month. And I've been promising myself to cancel it for probably three or four months now, and and then another box turned up uh, at the weekend, and. Rather than kind of us joking about it, I got the first kind of serious look from my partner. Like, come on, you you really should be cancelling. So, um, 
And when you, and when you do cancel it, they're going to give you an offer you can't yep. refuse, and it's going to make it even they harder. They will. They will. And they don't make it easy to cancel either. There's nothing on their site that that easily allows you to cancel. You have to actually call them, and I hate talking to people on the phone. So it's just like uh, it's just one of those tasks I've been putting off. Not just because I want beer, but just you know, I just don't fancy just. I mean, if you if you don't call someone, then they can't guilt you into trying to stay, right? Or they can't they can't entice you with <laughs> exactly uh, said offer that's too hard, too good to refuse. But yeah, I, I I hate that too. I hate that about the the boxes. We did some of the um uh, the boxes where they bring the food or they drop off the food every mm-hmm. week or so, uh, and then you you just cook it according to the recipes they prepare. And yeah, there's there's two that I'm I'm not unsubscribe to but i just have it on pause because on you can pause it on the website yeah. but if you actually want to cancel your account entirely you do have to call and i'm just like i can't yep. be bothered that's how they get you that's how they get you <laughs> so um so rather mm-hmm. than a lovely beer tonight i am trying to wean myself off uh, and i'm drinking a uh appleton jamaican rum and dr pepper which is rather nice a nice combo that nice. does sound it is good. good we um we're not as big on dr pepper over here as you guys are i think for you guys it's basically another category of of uh soft drink isn't it we, like you have it's very much a mm. it's kind of hard it's to a love hate thing mm. over here i think there's people that really really like it and people that just think it's disgusting like my uh my wife she she can't stand dr pepper i think she'll have it like maybe once in a while just to remind herself of how much she hates <laughs> it and then they'd go back to just letting me drink it, you know. But uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people here that they would taste it, take one sip, and kind of spit it out. Or people that, that that's that's all they buy. Like I, I, it's one of my favorite yeah. drinks for sure. But uh, that's definitely not. But the it's strange that it, it's almost its own category, right? Because we just have Dr Pepper. I don't know, mm-hmm. Steve. I don't think we've got any kind of ripoffs of Dr Pepper over here, have we? No, no, I don't think so. No, and it's kind of hard mm. to find Dr Pepper here as well. So. Uh, when I have had it, I've enjoyed it, but it's not something that you, that you come across yeah. very often, very often here. And I think you're right; there are no, there are yeah, no, no, no frills. Was it Mister yeah, Mr. I mean, Pib or Mister Pip? You guys have whatever it's called. So I mean, we could do a whole episode on the different Dr Pepper spinoffs or or generic brands or mm. whatever they are. There, like I, I I joke about it with my friends. Like we go, we just spend 10 or 15 minutes going through a list of like 50 different names and laughing about how each one is more ridiculous than the next right <laughs> like dr nut dr thunder dr doctor <laughs> i i mean i could go on they're they're absolutely insane <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't know i don't know why it's such a big thing here or that why every store has to have their own brand of it or something like that and you're right it is a, it is a, it is a category mm-hmm. so maybe maybe it's more popular than i am aware of but well, there you go. But yeah, I like it. It's a good drink. Yeah. Huh. That sounds great. And how about Steve? Oh, uh, so yeah, I'm afraid I have to disappoint as well. I don't have anything as interesting as that. I've got orange squash, which is about as boring as you can get. But it, it's it's a school night, and I too am trying to cut back on the old uh, on the old booze. So just orange squash for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> and here this I is, here I thought turning into the inviting inviting the British pub guys over, and this this is what they give me. The one reason <laughs> this is turning into the bloodborne of beer discussion segments. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Uh. Well, before Jordan gets into a sugar drink to, to change it, I'll, I'll just hop in real quick with... Uh, I do have a real beer, and uh, this is... Um, it's from uh, Lee Caster. It's a uh, beer de garde. And, but um, I, I will say it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, a different beer, though, because this one has hints of red wine because it's 
actually uh, fermented in um, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Ooh. So it's uh, mm. it's supposed to give the, uh, the the impression or the feeling that you're drinking a beer from northern France. So, but it is uh, is it it's an eight point two, and they call it an extra strong beer, and. Uh, Man, it, it's got uh, it's got a potent flavor. It, it's uh, pretty close to uh, Rodenbach sour beer. Like yeah. I don't, it's not. I don't think it's technically a sour beer, but it's 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 got a flavor that gets it pretty close to it. So it's just this is just it's just occurred to me that you've got the wrong the wrong cross players on today. You should have had Rich from the cross players on because he drinks mm-hmm. the most ridiculous mm-hmm. concoctions that you can imagine. Uh, all very high alcoholic percentage and what i mean the flavors are just like a it's almost like they're just randomly generated and then thrown into a can you know sort of donut <laughs> peanut butter yeah. bread and tar or something ridiculous they sound they, they sound disgusting <laughs> and he spends an absolute He'll spend fortune more on, on them as well one can of beer than we would spend on a bottle of wine or a six pack it's yeah it's- yeah, I I do that with my uh, Scotch Scotch ale. It's it's a little bit pricey on for the for the good stuff. So, and then uh, this morning I actually was uh, at the grocery store picking up stuff, and I saw this uh, wide variety of new amber ales I haven't tried. So I I picked up uh, three or four of those. So I'll I'll have uh, the, the the month of November is going to be uh, a journey across the amber ale spectrum. So <laughs> nice. Now, does does Rich play RPGs? Or... <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> have we have we not has he not been indoctrinated yeah. into that only, uh, religion yet? Not only mm. does he not play RPGs, I think he has a uh, an open disdain yeah, oh, no. for them. Okay. I think. Well, well, yeah. he, he... <laughs> we we might we might have a new crusade on our hands to get him into the genre somehow. You, you can always break somebody in some way. You know, you just find one game uh-huh. that's got some some RPG mechanics. Oh, I, I like this this element of the game, and then maybe push them in. If there's some but... sort of a, a, a tearjerker of an, of an RPG that that would really because he mm, he loves a good yeah, cry. That would be the way so to I think do if it. we can yeah. think of something that okay. you know would okay. pull those strings, we could hook him in. Well, he could play. I guess he could play Bloodborne. That certainly, yeah, <laughs> that, that works for me. You be I, you're I, crying for a different hope reason. I'm not the only person. That's <laughs> true. I hope I'm not the only one who shed a few <laughs> tears over the first time they played Bloodborne. But well, Jordan, um, I want you to take us home uh, on the drink discussion with your man. I sugary really, drink of the I day. really could have saved the day. I really could have donned the Superman cape here and brought brought a beer for you, but I don't have that today, David. I'm sorry. I uh, so la- last week I think I had the uh, Boylan Bottling Company uh, Black Cherry drink, which was quite good. Uh, so I picked up. Uh, so I'm gonna have some interesting drinks in November as well. Uh, none of them alcoholic, uh, of course, but uh, very much sugary. Uh, so I brought uh, another Boylan Bottling Company. This is the Cane Cola. I think I mentioned that one and having had it before. Um, the nice thing about this cola, it's got a little bit of spice to it. Uh, not quite on the level of something like Dr Pepper, but it definitely tastes more. Um, cinnamony, I suppose, or spicy than something than the maybe the more lemon flavor or citrus flavor that you get from a normal uh, Coke or Pepsi or something like that. So, uh, yeah, the cane cola is a pretty good one. Um, I bought a bunch of these kind of the the grocery store. They have um, I think they call it like a mix six pack or something like that. And so you you pick up the cardboard container that has the six slots in it for the uh, the the three hundred fifty five mil bottles. Uh, and you can just put six of them there uh, in the in the container for ten bucks. So so I picked up six. So I picked up um, 
the Boil and Bottling Cane Cola, and I've got a couple of other ones, a root beer, a cream soda. Uh, I've got a Jones Soda Blue one as well, so maybe I'll try that one for next week. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting into trying some... If I, I'm not going to just bring Pepsi or water every episode, even though I could, uh, but if I can bring in some fancy uh, sodas or soda soda pops, uh, maybe that will uh, uh, help with uh, my contribution to the drink segment anyways. Well, that's what we we all, we all have uh, our niche uh, for the drink uh, section. So I've, I've got the I've got yeah. the alcohol down. You got the sugar down. So we make Casey's got the water down. That's right. <laughs> That you, you shouldn't you shouldn't refer to them as vices. It's also known yeah. as coping. That's how I that's how I look at. it. I mean that that's the that's when when Ben gets a box every month of beer. That's a that's a, a box of coping. Exactly. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a crate of consolation. <laughs> Well, uh, we definitely need a, a, something to help cope uh, after play sessions of the game that we're talking about this week, which is yeah. uh, Bloodborne. Uh, this is one of the uh, titles from uh, from Software. Uh, so this is the company, the same company that you uh, that brought you Dark Souls and Demon Souls, and um, Bloodborne is uh, a different variety of those games. This one, you know, Dark Souls uh, was more of the uh, I, w- I would say a little more slow methodical with uh, shields and swords and uh, Bloodborne takes it uh, a little bit differently and, and adds in a, a more agile uh, outlook on, on the gameplay. But uh, before we get too far into the game, I actually kind of wanted to talk about, uh, maybe just start off the discussion about the, like, the location or the, the environment because uh, I don't know about you guys, but the, the thing that struck me most uh, about the game, uh, especially starting off, is that the, the, the location that is played in Yarnum, uh, it, 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 it's just breathtaking. Like, it, it, especially like I, mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever played it, but I can just imagine, you know, back in, uh, what was it, 2011, 2012, uh, when it first came out, um, that, uh, it just it's spectacular it's just crazy like it just it blew my mind how how big and detailed the yarnum is and and, and just the all the gothic scenery and and just uh how uh in, in pe- or foreboding or huge like it it, it is yeah it, it it kind of um uh, the setting of it was probably the, the, the thing that attracted me the most because it, it felt like it feels very european in a way it feels like it's kind of mm-hmm. a mixture between kind of Prague and London, um, yeah, you mm. know, in kind of olden olden times. What would you say? Kind of, sort of yeah, it's sort of Victorian, Victorian era. Sort of yeah, gothic very much slash so. Victorian. And, um, think they'll think about their outfits, right? Those those are particularly like the the top hats yeah. and the uh, the kind of suits that they wear really make you think of that time period. Yeah, and to me that that just that feels very. You know, we we've kind of grown up studying that sort of period of time, 
And although this isn't, I don't think this is explicitly supposed to be set at any particular period in in time in in real life. Anyway, it is um, those kind of little cobbled streets and the you know the the gothic architecture, even like the the bridges. You know the the, the first main bridge that you walk over in Yarnum reminded me of uh, Charles Bridge in Prague, which you know we've got these kind of. Um, uh, what they called kind of like figures at every kind of little step along the bridge on the side of it and it's yeah it's, it's just it's a beautiful game and and you could almost forgetting the gameplay itself you could happily just go around in that world and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. not being massacred by enemies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like i i absolutely adore uh bloodborne and it is it is thrilling to play through but really the reason that i love it is because of how it looks and how it feels and how it sounds it is absolutely stunning this game and it was stunning five years ago and you go back to it now and it is still stunning it's yeah. kind of amazing how well it's held up and the, the 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 setting is just so endlessly fascinating to me it it is as though it's sort of like the Victorian times, but the Enlightenment didn't happen, right? And and religion and this weird sort of pseudo-Catholicism has just gained momentum and it's overtaken everything and they've just got this whole society that's structured around uh, a blood-based Catholicism. It's really f- but it's it's really... Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. Oh, well, we, we, we have a chocobo. We have a special... We have a special... special yeah, we have a special, special chocobo. Uh, Fire Fire players are on button. That's what they do. <laughs> no. I apologize. No, no, don't, that. no. Please feel free. Like, like that's what we we haven't heard the mute button in a little while, so it'd be good to change okay, the base. Good. Yeah. Fine, good. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is flipping bizarre and absolutely <laughs> fascinating. And it's and then and that's how it starts. And then as it goes on, you start scratching under the surface, and it turns out there's this sort of eldritch horror lurking underneath. I just, I God, I love it. It's so good. It's so so good. Yeah, when I so I I played this I guess when it originally came out probably at or around launch and to go I hadn't really come back to it in since since I guess I think it's 2015 when it came out um, I I never played the DLC unfortunately I would like to at some point um, but yeah it, it's 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 so much it's so easy to just get lost in this world and, and and minutes and hours just just melt away as you're playing this game because you're so engrossed in the setting and the gameplay and the difficulty like these elements they just culminate in this experience that is definitely uh an incredible and unforgettable one um what really strikes me about this game is how how in a way it's different aesthetically in terms of the atmosphere than something like dark souls uh, one two or three that bloodborne really gives into this this singular location this singular singular world right everything in every area of Bloodborne and Yarnum, look they, they all kind of look connected. They all they don't look like disparate places that are from different games or that you're transported to different worlds. But if you play something like Dark Souls, uh the first or the second one especially, like I feel like you go to different places. Like you go to An Orlando, and Orlando doesn't look like other places in mm. Dark Souls, right? It it feels like this you're teleported to this new area. Bloodborne doesn't really have that. Everything is kind of all in the same place like you really do feel like it's one big connected world and that all of these places would exist kind of side by side Mm. right like and so that's i guess that's what i really like about bloodborne is that just going going through the beginning area and then the cathedral and then onward after that uh old yarnum whatever they all feel like they it does feel like a real not a realistic world 
but a real world that in terms of like if i drive from my city to the next city there's not this big huge change in terms of what they look like even if i drive to another another province or i drive down to the states everything kind of looks connected right they, they all fit together like puzzle pieces and bloodborne does this does that same thing unlike other open world games i think other open world games they try to have different looking mm. worlds or different uh, different looking sections that make you feel like there's all this different variety but bloodborne would rather have this cohesive believable world in place of that and i think i think I, I you know i'll give them give them props for that i guess i think that was my first kind of yeah. aha yeah. moment with this game because of as a complete newcomer to the genre um I, d- I didn't really know what to expect from it other than the brutal difficulty that everyone talks about but the first time when i found a shortcut that then took me back to to the first lamp for example that was that was a real kind of moment of wow this actually i i've not really traveled that far this whole world is interconnected and then you find another shortcut that will get you to the to the boss quicker rather than going through everything and it's little moments like that and you realize that there's this kind of you know it's it's this intertwining network of streets rather than just a you know a linear path from from a to b um and and that mm. was i just found that i find that so clever and it, and it it kind of the loop of the game is baked into that as well you're pushing to discover more about the world every time because you're hoping to get to the next lamp or the next shortcut so you're constantly in this trade-off of do i dare go a little bit further which might help me in the long run or will i lose you know all my all my everything i've accumulated if i if i then push too far and then get killed so it's yeah genius yeah and a lot of uh, rpgs fall into the trap where they're like these great big uh, beautiful areas but then they're they're kind of sparse and what's actually there and that's uh, one of the other things that surprised me about Bloodborne as well is that just the sheer amount of enemies like per square foot of Bloodborne <laughs> is uh, especially like early on, uh, you know, the the introductory area, like, it's about five minutes in and all of a sudden you're thrown into like one open spot where there's like 20, 20 enemies just all kind of standing around a bonfire. <laughs> it's just like one after another coming after you <laughs> if you're... Uh, Especially when you're someone like me, whose uh, first inclination is just to kind of walk in and and throw down. Uh, it didn't take long uh, to have to change my style of play. Of uh, you know, you can't just walk in and and take on the crowd. You really it, it is a methodical march through through the the streets. Uh, like you said, opening those gates to to allow for the uh, the new areas and to to skip over. Because that was the other problem i would run into as well is that you know i i would get so far and then die and then i would think to myself like okay i don't i don't want to kill all the enemies i just killed again so i'm going to try to run past everybody and Mm. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and uh but finding those the the lamps and finding the the shortcuts uh certainly gave you a, a nice feeling almost like a momentary relaxation of uh oh, okay like I, i've just opened a new path thank goodness like now now i don't have to uh fight and claw my way it, it, it's it's a feeling of accomplishment along the way mm. mm-hmm. i mean it's the funny thing about the beginning of this game and this isn't new people have said this before but it it has a different difficulty curve throughout the game than normal games do right the the, the beginning of bloodborne is exceedingly difficult 
And the idea is that if you can beat the beginning of the game, if you can get past uh, kind of the starting area and get into the cathedral, from that point on, things are going to be easier. It's almost never going to be harder than it is at the very beginning of the game when you're weak, you're underpowered, your weapons aren't upgraded, uh, you maybe you don't have a lot of um, uh, options in terms of how you're going to get through the different areas, you don't have a lot of like fire bombs or things to... Um, uh, uh, the electric paper or whatever, the lightning paper to put on your weapon. Like, you really just have to figure out exactly how to navigate uh, not only the, the beginning streets, but then those first two bosses you encounter. Um, uh, yeah, who's the... The Cleric uh, Beast? Father Gascoigne, and then the Bloodstar Beast. Cleric, Bloodstar Beast, cleric is it? Beast. Or, uh, cleric Beast? Cleric, cleric Beast, yeah. yeah. Like, you... Just because of how uh, weak you are at the beginning of the game, relatively, it makes those fights very very mechanical like you you have to figure out the patterns you have to play mechanically sound to beat those two bosses especially uh father gascoin if you haven't if you haven't figured out the timing on the parry it's 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 or the yeah the or the, the visceral attacks it's almost impossible to beat him without those um but once you've done that the you're probably not going to run into overly frustrating scenarios later some of the bosses you'll be able to summon a, a, a computer player to help you or you'll be able to, uh, you know, power yourself up. That you, maybe you'll have earned enough blood echoes to raise your stats. Or you'll you'll have picked up enough items to to improve your weapon's uh, strength. Or the different runes that you find that increase your stats as well. All of those things come up after this opening segment of the game. And it really is brilliant in terms of, I guess, teaching you to, teaching you how to play the game effectively through difficulty. Rather than easing you in through handholding, mm. it's all. It's kind of like it's kind of like when, uh, like, if a swordsman's in training and he trains with a heavy wooden sword that is heavier than his actual sword is going to be. When he's picking up his actual sword, he's much better with it because Absolutely. he's had to go through the trial uh, of using the the heavy thing. This game definitely front loads the pain uh, to train you um, for the rest of it. That's very true. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, Steve. I. I totally agree with that or to, to weed out the weak as well because uh if if you can't really like you said with it being so difficult at the beginning it's it's kind of like the you know it get past this uh trial by fire because uh it's it's a very unique approach to to tutorializing gameplay isn't it because it's it's almost the exact opposite of you know as a primarily nintendo uh, fan, I I'm not used to the, like used to a lot of hand holding, <laughs> no. but being thrown in in the deepest of deep ends and just being told to work it out for yourself. Uh, it's like the uh, tiger mom uh, style of parenting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, basically all of the Soulsborne games do this, right? They all maybe not to the same extent Bloodborne does. I think Bloodborne's difficulty at the beginning is harder than the mm-hmm. other ones, but. In the other games, you start you basically start with a boss fight, right? And sometimes you don't have to defeat that boss to move on, but in Dark Souls 3, you do. And it's not necessarily that they're super hard, but they're also not for... If you've never played a game like this, it's going to be really difficult for you, right? You're going to have to learn very quickly on your feet. And yeah, again, I think it's just one of these... these the charm of these games is that they, they don't treat you with kid gloves at any point. Like, you are meant to get good or it's probably not going to work out for you right like there you, you, you can't cheat the bosses you can't no. cheat no. father gascoigne you you have to beat him with skill 
it, it, it's almost impossible to just whittle him down if you don't have the right tactics and the right mechanics. I mean, you can't I, I had a, a pretty, a pretty, I, I kind of cheesed Father Gascoigne. If I'm honest, I think I, I basically just hid behind a gravestone and hit him with hit him with mm. the long version of my axe. That's which, which is yeah, I didn't feel like I was cheating at the time. That's I was like, well, trap. if you can't figure this out, mate, of course this is what I'm going to do. Uh, the beast. But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have the axe, you can't even do that, though, right? Exactly. Like, so if you if you chosen that weapon, the axe is kind of like the the new new player weapon, I guess. Like it, it, it's an easier playthrough, I'd say, with the axe. At least I I felt that way. I played I played the axe this playthrough yeah. as well. Um, you can get you can get the music box as well from the girl. Yeah, to, to so play. I, I bet that's right. To yeah. shut him down. So that was uh, my way of doing it was was keep him behind the gravestones when he's in his human form. Then as soon as you, you, yes. that's the thing through repetition I was able to tell okay well after one more hit he's going to change into his beast form so I ran I had to so learn I ran that up too. the yeah. stairs dished out the last hit on when you're up on the kind of platform then he changed into his beast form then I used the music box and he was in pain from the music and then I went behind him did a visceral attack and that took off a big chunk and then got a little bit lucky with the dodging because that's that's all just quite rhythmic isn't it just staying out of the way getting your hits in not getting too many hits in you know not getting greedy it's all yeah very clever yeah. stuff but mm-hmm. i was pa- patience it's all about patience right all all these games are about patience even if blood soul bloodborne is a little mm. bit faster with the dodging and the movement and everything it's still ultimately about timing and patience right if you Definitely. as soon as you take that extra hit that you know you're not supposed to inevitably you get yeah. punished yeah for doing that every right? time like that's... out of every time that's the thing about this game and about Soulsborne games generally. They have garnered this reputation of being, you know, punishingly hard, and 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 they are to a degree, and that's part of their charm. But I I will always say about these games that they are far more accessible than mm. they let on. Uh, all all you have to do is learn how to play it, and anyone can play can play these games. Like there's 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 nobody for whom a, a Soulsborne game is too hard, and and the opening part. Of of uh, of Bloodborne is just telling you like this is you know we're not gonna hold we're not gonna hold your hand but this is the first area you mm. can do this work it out like there is a way around this and it's just teaching the player that difficult doesn't mean impossible you just have to you just have to change the way you think about playing games in order to get through it and that's true of all of the Soul uh, Soulsborne's games yeah um, getting I back think. to I think David yeah. it was your point about this being a way to kind of weed out the the people who aren't up for the challenge i was trying to think of there must be some mm-hmm. way to see what the drop-off rate is so i'm just looking at the trophies on playstation and yes, uh oh that's 40, a, yeah that'd be a good indicator 48.9 have beaten the cleric beast so that's more than half Gosh. of the people that mm. play this have not got well past the first bear boss. in mind is that yeah. Bear in mind that Blood Blood Bloodborne was a PS Plus game at some point, which means that this was in the hands of a lot of like very casual mm. folk. So I do wonder what percentage of those people actually went out and bought this game, uh, as opposed yeah. to those who just downloaded. Still, it. if I'm not mistaken, Cleric Beast is also skippable. Yep. You don't have yeah, to beat not. him to progress, right? You can go straight to Father. And Father Gascoigne is forty-seven point nine percent have beaten him. Oh, okay, wow. about the same then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, uh, like you were saying about the timing, uh, Jordan, uh, I think it's the the use of the stamina meter that really, for me, that kind of threw me off because uh, 
for I'm kind of used to the 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 Japanese style action RPG games where you can really just utilize speed by you know you attack attack and then you can dodge and uh, thinking like something like near Automata or even um, even like the way I played Final Fantasy VII remake like it was very much a get in get in get your licks in and get out before the the the, the attack comes the other way. And uh, trying to play that way with Bloodborne just absolutely killed me at the, at the very beginning because often I would forget that the stamina meter was there. So I'd go in, get, like you said, take a couple hits or t- give out those couple hits and thinking, okay, well, I'll just like keep on slashing my way to victory until I hit to the point where the stamina meter dies. And that half second delay is just enough for the enemy to, to crack me over the head with a brick and yep. <laughs> end, end my run. So it... Um, it really does, uh, that, uh, this, the stamina really does force you to like, no, you're, you're not going to spam attack through, through these enemies. Like you really do have to learn and, and learn that timing. I mean, that's why, you know, leveling up the stamina or leveling up your endurance when you, when you're spending your blood echoes is probably the most important thing, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. if you have more stamina to do more hits to do more dodging and you're not have to wait as long to get all your stamina back like i feel like all of those elements are going to make you more successful like you you can have more health but you can also bring 20 health refills to to the fight so like you, you can restore your health but having more stamina there's no way to get more stamina back that's strictly time so uh endurance is definitely one of the things i always prioritize whenever i'm playing any of these games i Same. Yeah, i want to be able to run i want to be able to dodge i want i, I dodge a ton because i'm i'm almost spamming the dodge button more than spamming the yeah. attack button right like you see you see a boss winding up and you don't know if you're necessarily going to be in the, in the path of the attack or not so i'm spamming dodge to just try to get to get behind them right so it's it is kind of an inversion of spamming defense rather than spamming offense i guess or or just just making sure you're prioritizing your safety over your ability to inflict pain yeah i made the classic noob well not mistake but the, i took the noob approach of boosting my health to begin with because i just thought oh, i'm dying a lot here i need i need more health and um <laughs> it's not a it's not a bad idea yeah. for a new player like i yeah. i will do that the first time i'm playing these games but if you neglect mm. your stamina you're you're over the long term you're going to be it's going to really I think I can see you. that now I'm as I'm getting more confident so I've up my health I've up my my strength so I can take damage I can dish out yep. damage and now I'm at the stage where okay I'm I'm needing to dodge around these guys get my hits in and then get the hell out of there so yeah stamina will be the next thing that I try and bump up a little bit The other uh, unique thing I think about Bloodborne is uh, that I found neat was the different weapons that you can use, and just the different uses of the weapons as well. Uh, I ended up uh, trying a like early on. I, I played through uh, all, all three really just to just to get a feel for each one. Uh, I started with the the saw cleaver, uh, which I guess is uh, 
I guess that maybe I'll, well, maybe I'll just start with the, actually I'll start with the Hunter Axe. I'll start from like the strongest to the least strongest because I believe the, the Hunter Axe is the, the strongest weapon um, of the three. And um, the Hunter Axe also is, is quite unique in the sense that the being able to extend it to, to do the two hands. I think it was the only weapon that you can use it with both hands, right? I think it is two-handed when you when you extend it. It becomes like mm-hmm. the the longer halberd or something like that. Yeah. When you when you press when you press R one, I think it's R one to L one to to switch it to switch it to the second form. My goodness, it is so useful against <laughs> yeah. like every enemy because you just oh, charge yeah. you charge up that spinning attack. Yeah. You know if if it's a one on one encounter with any of the basic enemies, they really can't yeah. touch you. And and that that attack goes on to be effective against so many bosses as well. Um, like um, who's the who's the the lady who becomes the giant wolf in the church? I can't remember her name. Uh, Amelia, oh, Vicar Vicar Amelia. Amelia? Yeah, yeah that's like right. that that it, that's a good attack to use against her. The when you're fighting the the three wraiths in that uh, that pit in the swamp, um, it's a really it's, again really strong attack to use against them, but. That that's that charging spin attack. Like I'm using that like 80 percent of the time in this game. Oh, yeah. At least on my second run, because it, it's just yeah. said, it, it's almost it's a little broken. You know, it's a it little is, broken. I think it is. I think it is a bit broken. It is. Yeah. It is both damage and crowd control at the same time. Yeah. Like, you yeah. Clear a space around you, and you do a lot of damage. Like it feels pretty generous. And you can you can use it before anyone gets to you, right? Like mm-hmm. you'll you'll have a chance to hit them before they hit you. Even the even those kind of giant dogs that you find uh, prowling around, like. You'll, if they charge at you, you'll you'll definitely be able to. If you've got your charged attack ready to go, you can always hit them out of the way before they get to you. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a little bit cheap. Yeah, well, the threaded cane when you convert it to whip does it, it it can be kind of crowd a little bit of crack control. Maybe not as well as the axe, obviously. Uh, and it's it's weaker of the the weakest of the three. But the threaded cane was pretty neat because I it, it it's the most sword feeling, I guess. Like or not even a sword. It's um. What what's those old uh, French uh, swords where you like poke people to to kill them? Like a rapier. Yeah, yeah like it's rapier. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, bayonet. Yeah. yeah, so I was using that a lot. Uh, I think might have been the one I used the most. And then yeah, being able to switch it to um, the 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 whip was I I thought was kind of neat. Not it was kind of annoying how weak it was, but it was still pretty pretty neat. Uh, mechanic of it's a fun switching. it's a fun weapon to use for sure yeah. like if, I, I wouldn't recommend it on a first playthrough but if you're going through the game again maybe on a new game plus or something like that and you pick it up like it it's it's really fun to use and it's fun to kind of see the animations of it and how they hit the enemies and things like that it's not as effective but it, it looks cool when you're doing it mm-hmm. uh did anybody uh, like what what did every i guess the last one we'll just talk about the last weapon the, the saw cleaver uh, that was actually the one i started with i just i I don't know what about it made me uh, gravitate towards that first of all, but uh... is that the one that's on on the that he's holding on the front cover of the game? Yeah, yeah. It does. It looks like yeah. the coolest yeah. weapon, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's the secondary attack though. It just felt too slow to me. Like when you open it up mm. and it becomes kind of like a scythe. It just I always felt like it was just like a split second behind the other weapons, and it just it got to the, the point where I just got irritated with it and moved moved to a different one. Yeah, I've I've never been a saw cleaver guy. I don't think I've ever done a run through with the saw with the saw cleaver. It just never never appealed to me for for that for that reason. Uh, but also, I just think it looks kind of gross. There's something kind of gross <laughs> about it that I'm just not into. As opposed to uh, I think the, my, the rest I think of my... the game. <laughs> oh, the rest of the game is squeaky clean, but that thing <laughs> too far. Yeah, 
Yeah, blood, blood, guts, yeah. corpses. Like that's all great. But then the saw cleaver and us too. That was a little Steve bit too far. Steve has his limits. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, I, I I appreciate that. You gotta know where you know where to stop. I, I I think my first playthrough of the game was with the saw cleaver, and I I, I think I very rarely put it into the scythe form. Uh, I feel like it, it it's pretty just at the uh, in its basic uh, format, which uh, is just standard attack. I think it's pretty pretty effective. I it's nowhere again nowhere near as as cheap as the hunter axe, but I I had a good playthrough with it. Um, I it's just unfortunate that it's not maybe it doesn't feel as versatile. As maybe the other two weapons, more just maybe more more plain or basic. I'm very, uh, I'm very happy with my my hunter's axe choice, though. I think I, I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying the battle mechanics overall in this game. I, I kind of was expecting them to be a bit more methodical, but you can. It's it's quite clever how it does in, encourage you to get your hits in, rather than like my understanding of Dark Souls and probably what put me off was there's a lot of hiding behind a shield and waiting well it mm. can be whereas yes. this is can be. very so much like you know if you get hit but then you can get your hit back in you can replenish some of your health and mm -hmm. i just think as a mm -hmm. as a battle system that's pretty genius because it it does you know it encourages you to be quick and not you know and aggressive it, it, and there's that kind of constant risk reward of well, it, I could potentially claw some of my health back. Um, it's not even health, is it? I think Miyazaki described it as a will meter rather than a health meter. So mm. you you take a hit oh, right. and you lose okay. your will, but you can get your will back by getting another hit in. I think that's quite clever. That makes sense. Yeah, that mechanic of of when you take damage and then to immediately uh, re strike back at your enemy to restore your your will is it's. That's amazing. Yeah. Like I, I wish every game had something like that because, it, although it, 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 it's it's a risk reward, of course, because it might be that the enemy is is in the middle of an attack, and if you try to get your health back too quickly, you could you could you could just end up dying right then and there. So you still have to you still have to mm. be patient, but it does reward you for not staying out of combat for too long, right? Like mm. you you don't the game doesn't want you to sit back too long. And I think you bring up an interesting comparison with the with the uh, the other games in the in the genre, and I feel like Dark Souls as a series has more variety to it, right? You can you can I feel like there's more different builds you can do because there's there's, there's, there's magic you can you can, there's uh, there's more weapons you can you can play behind a big shield if you want to. There's just a lot more different things you can do with your character. Bloodborne is it's more focused of an experience, right? Yarnum is a, a focused area that all has the same kind of aesthetic to it. Your character is going to be one of maybe a few different archetypes uh, based on that that may, usually based on that main weapon you choose, and then maybe the starting gun that you choose, the pistol or the the blunderbuss. Uh, although you you could pick up a cannon, which is pretty fun to use later on when you when you do find that does a, that can do a bunch of damage. But but there's nowhere near as many choices, I think. In terms of how you participate in combat in Bloodborne, like you, that is very you, true, yeah. you still have to learn the visceral attacks. You still have to learn, you know, kind of the timing of dodges and stuff like that. Whereas in Dark Souls, positioning, blocking, uh, the the rolling, the the amount of the equipment burden that you have, and how that controls the speed of your character, those are much bigger considerations. And I think they they change up the combat significantly uh, between the two games. So I, I, I came to Bloodborne after playing Dark Souls 1 and 2, 
and I was a hide behind the shield guy. And if I yeah, could, I would have me a spear <laughs> that I could poke from behind the shield. So I <laughs> yeah, never had yeah. to let go of the shield button. Um, so when I first saw Bloodborne uh, before it came out, I was quite intim- quite, intim- quite intimidated by it because I thought, well, where's my big shield? Like, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die in this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but I, it broke me out of that shield way of think- thinking. Um, and I've actually gone back to Dark Souls games after this and explored the depth of that character creator and found out just how many different kinds of builds you could have in that game. In, in Dark Souls, is not about the shield. It is about so many things, and I, and I feel like that was a very deliberate move on the part of uh, Miyazaki. And I think there is a there is a shield there there is a shield in Bloodborne, and the item description basically says, "Yo, if you use a shield, you're a coward." So, <laughs> That's right. I, yes, I can't I remember. remember exactly what it says, but I'm going to look it up. But it says something like "shields engender passivity" or something, and that's yeah. very much a commentary on the way people play uh, Dark Souls. I think there's a lot of nods to Dark Souls in Bloodborne and kind of that that it's maybe not an antiquated uh, experience or an antiquated game or something, but that this is that Bloodborne is the evolution of that. And maybe we would see that in in a game that came after like Sekiro, right? Like I haven't played that yet, but I understand that it's a lot it's a lot faster. It's got the same Mm -hmm. kind of pace of Bloodborne, but there's more verticality to it. And you're swinging through like a grappling hook or something like that. It's really taking the action up another level. Whereas, yeah, Dark Souls is it's it's content to be that 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 slower paced game where you're it's a lot more about your thinking and your timing and, and kind of watching and waiting. Uh, that's why I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with Elden Ring. Like, is Elden Ring mm, going to be more like Bloodborne or is it going to be more like a Dark Souls game? And uh, we haven't really seen anything of it yet, but hopefully we will soon. I was just going to say, I brought up the uh, wooden shield item description. It says, A crude wooden shield used by the masses who have arisen to join the hunt. Hunters do not normally employ shields, ineffectual against the strength of the beasts that they tend to be. Shields are nice, but not if they engender passivity. (laughs) That's so good, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I remember coming across that. Yeah. I'm just going to correct my dates because I think I said at the beginning 2012, or I was thinking of Dark Dark Souls was 2011 when it first came out. Bloodborne was 2015. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like you can feel those four years between, between the two, like the, like you said, Absolutely. with, with the evolution, um, it certainly feels like they've, they've moved differently. Well, even Dark Souls three, I've never played that one, but I, I'm pretty sure that one even ru- is more run and gun than the original Dark Souls as well. Right. It is, yes, it is. Yeah. It is slightly fa- It did take a lot of lessons, uh, from Bloodborne for sure. Just keep so in mind is- that Dark Souls three was also developed for, uh, current or current gen consoles i guess i can only say that for a couple more weeks but uh ps4 and xbox one i think uh, dark souls 3 was developed exclusively for those rather than uh dark souls 1 and 2 which were uh, uh originally xbox and eventually uh playstation 3 i think if I, correct me if i'm wrong on that yeah it would make sense yeah, maybe think... it was a, a technical limitation that they mm-hmm. they that maybe the the slowness of dark souls was related to the console mm-hmm. Steve, now you you said you've played the Dark Souls game. Ben, Ben, you haven't played any Dark Souls games. This is like your first Soulsborne game. Yeah, absolutely. Right? This is my first, and this I'm trying. Just listening to you guys talk there, I'm trying to put my finger on why why this one interested me and the others didn't. And I think a lot of it. Like I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if you went back. Like I'd love to do a Dark Souls episode with you guys as well. And if you you went back to that game after playing yeah. this. 
Like how how would that how would your experience be? You know, because I think it's I think it's hard. I think it, it can be very hard to go back to playing a Dark Souls game after after playing Bloodborne. And I did when Dark Souls came to Switch. I ended up picking that up, and I remember there's that adjustment right after coming off of playing even Dark Souls three or playing Bloodborne to go back to the original game or the second one. It's definitely you feel like you have to relearn some of the strategies and the ways yeah. to be successful in that game. Right? It's not yeah, it's not rough. the same at all. Yeah. Mm, I certainly feel like I would like to try dark souls now having played a bit of bloodborne i i think mm. i think ben if you picked up dark souls 3 i'm pretty convinced that you yeah. have a good time with that game i agree now yeah. now that you've played bloodborne i don't know about one one and two that's harder to call but now that you understand some core ideas in bloodborne i reckon that you would recognize those in dark souls 3 and i think that would compel you forward i think you would have a good mm. time with it yeah, I'll certainly uh, keep an eye out for them on on sale. I know that you can get the trilogy, can't you, on PS4? I think. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 One. Either of you guys uh, pre-ordered the PS5? Yes, I, I have. have not because we got Demon Souls coming up. <laughs> yep. So I never played Dem- Demon Souls. Uh, that's my blind spot in this series. So I'm very excited to play that. Yeah, and I've, I've I don't know. I think I might have played it through once. I I, I got it on. Uh, digitally on ps3 maybe on a big sale or maybe it was on ps plus at some point and it's hard to go back to because uh, they've shut down all the online features right mm. which I, I really like the online elements of these games and so to lose that kind of sucked uh, but it, it, great that we're getting a, a remake of it although we haven't really uh, we haven't seen a ton of it you know like we no. haven't seen a ton of playstation 5 actually really at all <laughs> they, they've just done the unboxings i guess uh, today and yesterday um, but yeah, I, I, I'm super excited for Demon mm. Souls for sure. The thing that bothers me about that game is that it's called Demon's Souls, and everyone know, says, yeah. <laughs> and they and they kept it in the and remake I just, too. Just just lose the S, just lose the first S, and then then I'll buy the yeah, game. Yeah. But no, it's that really irritates me more than it should. <laughs> But you know, you know, you know the developers of these games. They have a. It, it's not just a grammatical error, right? They have some reasoning behind why it's a singular demon mm. who has plural souls, right? There, there's there's some Miyazaki explanation yeah. in there somewhere for uh, the uh, the derivation of that name. But um, yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah, um, maybe uh, we'll just uh, wrap up the the Bloodborne discussion with just uh, going over. I think one of the interesting things of about the story in these types of games is that you can play through the game with and not even really come across the story if you're <laughs> if you're not like if you're not looking at the different reading the different things or. Uh, I know early on I was like knocking knocking on doors and you you talk to people and stuff, but you could miss quite a bit if not all of the story if you're not paying attention to it in these games and just focusing on the combat yeah i i haven't picked up a great i haven't picked up much story so far it there's there's little i'm getting little pieces of lore and i can see that i'm gradually piecing a story together but you're kind of just thrown into it and Mm. uh yeah you're just kind of left to much like the game itself you're just left to work things out for yourself and people are you know shouting abuse at you as you as you approach them and people hiding in indoors are kind of being rude to you and and you're like what 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 have i done i think i'm trying to help i don't know yeah it's it's like it's like a story buffet right and you you take or leave as much as you want from it uh and if you want a lot of story like it's there it's there for you you just gotta 
you just got to grab it. But yeah, if you play through the game, the story ba- ba- basically amounts to what the hell is going on <laughs> until you reach yeah. the very end, and then you still don't, and then you still don't know what's uh, what's going on. But I think the story is is is. I it's very I mean it's very compelling, but whether or not it's coherent, I, I I don't I don't think it's coherent. I think it has the illusion of being a coherent story, but I think it is deliberately obfuscating itself to make it seem more mysterious and bizarre and strange. But but there are sort of pockets of story in there, po- like bit bit bits of history that are described through uh, item descriptions and stuff that are that are really really cool. Yeah, and if yeah, you sort of... they're almost they're almost like little anecdotes or little yeah, yeah little, little stories uh, that you can you can you can discover. And I think those are some of the more interesting ones than even the 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 story at large or the narrative at large. I think that you know some of the relationships between characters or what what happened to this person that caused a particular event to happen. Um, it it's all about kind of talking to people and then going back and talking to them later, which maybe. If, in a game like this, you might not focus on that unless you're unless you're really trying to dig. You know, you're you're focused on making progress and going forward and going to new areas. But if you come back to old ones and talk to people or move them around, you you can invite people to go to the cathedral, for mm. example, um, or you can invite. I think you can invite some people to go back to um, the starting area, the um, the clinic. Uh, and then, and then their dialogue might change after that. You can also just kill NPCs if you want to and take mm-hmm. some of their items. Like you, there, there's there's ways to um, I, I guess enjoy the experience in different ways. Like if you want, if you really want to get into the story, uh, and you you dig online for some of the the work, the the YouTube videos that people put together, like it's incredible. And I I love I actually love watching speed runs of these games. So whenever Games Done Quick starts up again, uh, either the the one in January or the summer version, uh, whenever they're doing a Dark Souls or Bloodborne run, I'll always watch those just mm. to hear the speedrunners talk about the lore of the game, which I think is fascinating. Uh, and it's also nice to have someone kind of parse it for you because during a playthrough across you know 15 or 20 hours if you're playing this game, it's hard to kind of keep all those separate story bits in mind to form a cohesive whole. But if you're if you're just watching someone do a speed run or a playthrough and they're talking about it the whole time, it's a really nice way to kind of absorb the story because you're not actually focusing on the challenging gameplay. Yeah, I, uh, it's surprising how deep the lore is for a game that you could easily bypass most of it. Uh, yes. And like you said, I I ended up watching uh, one of those YouTube videos that that did break down where they're taking like these small item descriptions and these kind of off-the-cuff conversations. And um, I'll just quickly run through the story and, and you guys could tell me if this, if, if uh, any of this even sounds familiar based on uh, the, the playthrough so far. But uh, the, the general story is that, so the uh, the player awakens in this laboratory and, and the first thing you actually kind of hear is a bit, being called like a pale blood. And um, you're getting like a blood transfusion to become the, uh, the hunter um character and uh so that 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 person in the hunter's dream there uh garum i think it's pronounced garum german 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 um so yeah so the basically the the city of yarnum where everything takes place uh is run by the healing church and there was a history behind it in in the sense that um the, the they discovered this these secrets in a labyrinth tomb underneath the city uh, and they discover that there's the there's a, the creatures down there or there used to be anyway they're called the great ones uh, that had supernatural be- they're the supernatural beings and um, the healing church got its power from uh, discovering that the blood that they they take from the great ones uh, heals people like it gives gives people back their uh, their health or 
um, basically leading to why you're walking around stabbing yourself with the needle every few seconds to uh, to to get uh, healed. Um, but yeah, there's it, it started off with uh, this college um, burning. Oh, I'm here's where the pronunciations are gonna uh, get me. The Bergen Bergen Bergenworth College. Um, so there's the, the guy that ran it, Provost William. So, uh, he was actually against using the blood. Uh, there's the, the fear of the old blood, uh, as he said. And, um, he went up against his, uh, one of the higher ranking scholars at the school that was underneath him, Lawrence, um, who decided to embrace the, the great ones. So there, it all kind of began with this, uh, uh, disagreement at the college between whether w- between William and Lawrence on whether the blood that they have found should be used to uh, to to heal people basically to u- be used as a resource and uh, as uh, we discover with uh, how much of the town is uh, left in ruin it's not not the greatest idea and um this actually leads to the the three different endings in bloodborne um so there's there's three uh different endings that you can end up with um i don't i'm i'm a little torn on whether we should go through them or not uh, i don't know if you guys well i, I mean I, I don't mind i haven't obviously got that far yet but uh i've read the show notes <laughs> Sorry, sure. All right. well anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled i guess can jump ahead a few minutes but uh yeah like when you get to the very end there are three three different endings there's um the you, you can accept uh, i guess garman i haven't uh personally gotten to this point yet either but from what i've read and watched uh, uh garman uh, gives you the option of uh, dying like being uh basically like accepting death to to awaken out of the dream um the the hunter's dream basically the um or you can challenge him uh in that case you will end up fighting him and then you actually replace him as uh, the leader of the the workshop uh, that fight is so hard oh my gosh so really I, I stopped i stopped my second playthrough there i'm like i've beaten him once before i don't need to do it again it's <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't want to go and grind for souls or whatever like i i'd already powered up my weapon i think to the max as well for the for for this playthrough and um i just it ta- it's a it's very stressful to keep going back and fighting him he's very very tough and the final one is if you've found the three umbilical cords of the great ones uh, and consume them <laughs> Then uh, yeah, you can you can do that final battle and become reborn as a great one yourself as a slug. <laughs> um, so it's it's, it's it, weird weird. I watched that one weird ending. Some great options there. Um, then. So yeah, death, a become a slug, or fight a really hard boss. Mm, yeah, yep. excellent. <laughs> that's that that's and I, I don't believe. I don't believe they ever said if there's like a. I, I I guess you can assume the third one being the hardest is like the true ending, I guess. But I don't think canonically there's been any indication from like from software which they believe is like the true ending. It's it's just three options from everything I can tell anyway. And I think like given the way this game and the Dark Souls games tend to sort of transcend time and reality and all that i don't i think ultimately it doesn't really matter either i think Mm. any any one of those three or all of those three could be the canonical ending just because of the weird way that time seems to work in these games for sure yeah i I was gonna say the same i agree with you steve i think i think no matter which way you want to play the game it's it's the ending you choose for yourself and 
Um, I think they all kind of set up the idea that you can keep, you can kind of keep playing the game after this, right? And there's the, there's the, we didn't mention them, but there's these uh, post-game dungeons you can run called Chalice Dungeons. I think you can do them in multiplayer as well. Um, there's, there's a lot, in, in the, the kind of the primary way that you go through these games again is that once you beat it, uh, you, you open up like a new game plus and you can run through at harder difficulty. And I, I don't, I don't know if there's new story beats on subsequent playthroughs. Uh, Steve, do you know about that? Uh, no, there are definitely no new story beats. I remember yeah, that being so, kind of disappointing. Although, yeah, although you yeah. do like as you progress through new game pluses, you do just sort of uh, start to hoard insight to a very high degree. Right. And obviously, the more insight you have, like it should be said, that story which was very well outlined there, that that's that doesn't unfold in that order. Like you don't have no. a clue about <laughs> you don't you, you don't have a clue about the old ones at the beginning of the game. That's right. And as you gain insight, which is this resource that you can spend to to do certain things, I think it's just for the co-op, isn't it? Just for the sum- summoning. There's a store where you can spend it too. Oh, that's at, right. In the hunter stream, yeah. right? I, I you I I I can't remember. I was buying something there. I think the uh, the lightning the lightning paper as well. You can buy the hats. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as you gain insight, you that's basically you learning more about the world around you. That's you coming to understand the reality of things, and as you pass certain thresholds of insight when you go back to Yarnum with a certain amount of insight, you can actually see the old ones like clinging onto the sides of buildings and they've always been there. You just couldn't see them before and enemies have different attacks and you hear different sound effects. Like if you have really high insight, you start to hear a baby crying in the distance which is super creepy. It's really creepy. <laughs> really creepy. And that only gets louder and louder until you meet the boss. I think it's uh, Margot's wet nurse. I think that's when the crying yeah. stops. But, Man, uh, she she is tough too. Like I, super tough. I remember it. she took me forever the first time I played this game, but the second time, and I guess this just chalk it up to experience and maybe because I had the axe this time, I took her down on the first try. I couldn't believe it, actually. Wow. Like, oh, impressive. I remember you being so difficult. I'm like, how did I, how did I win this yeah, first she's try? She's got, but... like, eight arms and a sword yeah. in each one. Ridiculous. And that part where you go into, like, the, the cloud or the mist and she's summoning, like, clones of herself. Mm. Like, just, oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> really, really tough. But... Oh, God. Yeah. Maybe, I, I meant maybe... to... I meant to... Maybe my favorite boss, though. I really, really like that one. I want, yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what was your favorite kind of moment so far, or favorite boss, or you know, favorite element of the game so far? Like, um, yeah, Marvel was definitely a, a highlight of the game for me. Um, I love the, um, I don't love the boss fight, but I love the, uh, the, the, is it Mensis or the, um, you're you're chasing around this guy and he's got this hilarious kind of voice actor, Miko yeah, Mikolash, and he's oh, yeah. he's just got these these he's just got these great lines, and everything he says is just I don't know the way the delivery of that the that voice acting is just perfect for this setting. Like he he sounds he sounds crazy, but he's speaking with conviction, and I I, I love that that area. Even if the boss fight itself is kind of underwhelming, I think he's a great character. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's the guy. So that, that this whole game is shot through with uh in, with like Lovecraftian influence and Miko Lash is this chap who has he's gone into the dream and he he has insight he understands the reality of the world and he's gone insane as a result and yeah he he says he says some pretty strange things I I, I think that boss fight is not just underwhelming I think it's actually a bit of a pain in the ass I think that's a bit of a it low is. point that's, is, a bit, yeah. that's a bit of a low point for the game but but it, it kind of makes up for itself by being really charmingly strange <laughs> to experience yeah like the, the the chasing him and just hearing all his banter as he's kind of teasing you or or taunting you, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's 
that that segment is really great even if yeah you get to the fight and it's like yeah or or you fall out you fall down a pit as you're trying to chase them or something mm-hmm. like that's really annoying with all the skeletons it's that, very that reanimate well yeah. that's a freaky room too because like they have all the students like lined around him and they're all wearing the same uh, cage on their heads mm-hmm. and all and they're all de- dead <laughs> And it's yeah. it's like the I guess that 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 for me for Bloodborne is is just seeing the the detail put into all of the settings and have like there's so many times where you walk around the corner and just are freaked out because <laughs> you're like oh yeah oh my yeah. god <laughs> like and it is all it is all in service of, of 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 that one concept as well right this is a, a world that that has taken this kind of academic slash religious zeal to a ridiculous degree. And the world is just so intricate with that stuff. There are statues everywhere, candles everywhere, scripture all over the place. And yeah, as you say, in the university, you've just, it's, it's yeah, it's insanely detailed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, and then in the college, there was the, the mon- like the eye monsters because they, because in the college, the, like they had the idea of eyes being the, the That's gateway right. to knowledge. That's right. And yeah. so the students there had had abused that so much that they had just turned into a monster with like th- hundreds of eyes on it. Um, uh-huh. I mean, that, then, that's one of the best lines from Mikolash when he says, grant us eyes, grant us yeah. eyes. Like It's it's so creepy, but corny, but ah, God, I can't get it up. I, then, I, I'm going to go watch the clip right after we <laughs> finish recording. Like, I just want to hear this guy. <laughs> I think somebody else talks about having eyes on the inside as well so that you can see inside yourself. Uh, and there are those giant pigs later where the front of their yes. head is just made entirely of eyeballs. Really right. messed up but so well done yeah well if you kill provost william like you i believe there's like some kind an eye item that you end up getting from him because that was his thing was uh using using the eyes to to achieve enlightenment i like how you say if as if you're not just killing every npc you see (laughs) like it's like it's a choice for you or something you know it's not just like your your modus operandi for playing any game like this just like if they're if they're if they're a potential threat they're gonna die i'm i'm of the you know the clean slate thing you know like things are going bad in yarnum so let's just clean the slate let's get them all (laughs) nuclear they'll they'll come back in new game plus (laughs) that's okay that's right uh, and even just walking around, like even uh, getting scared right off the bat when you just you take one step down the uh, the path, of, and the first one of the first things you see is the beasts like being up on the crosses, be lit on fire. Like it's just it's just yeah. nonstop it's, it's haunting. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me probably the about twenty times of walking past that bonfire to realize what was on the bonfire because I just avoided going close <laughs> to it and then eventually i'd got strong enough where i yeah. killed everyone that was around it and then looked up and you realize there's a massive kind of werewolf just burning up there that's a really interesting element of the game is that you can't necessarily enjoy some of the beauty aspects mm. of it or the aesthetics until you've made the environment safe for yep. yourself right mm. and so you I, I i think it discourages you from running through areas necessarily because then you're going to miss out on some of those small details that beauty of the game uh just the the art direction all of that stuff by by being scared you, you really you, you want to be courageous you want to be kind of you know get into the thick of things because then you can really enjoy all the subtleties definitely of it. it's a good it's a good payoff to to mm. be able to appreciate the sunsets and things like that with the you know mm. 
Mm. Oh, the, the, sky, the, sky, the, sky, the sky in this game and the way yeah. that it changes. It, it's incredible. Oh, it, there is a point in this game. There is a time. There is a point where this game turns, Ben. And when you get there, your your mind's going to be blown because um, you go back to Yarnum. I won't. I won't. Mm. I won't ruin it. What is what is the point of this game where you you? So there is there's very little music in this game, mm-hmm. but there is a point in this game where there is music and it's like a chanting. Like I remember that part being really terrifying i know that's really vague i'm sorry i don't remember i think it might be if you get attacked by the guy with the sack over his shoulder and you get sort of kidnapped and taken away and you wake up in this different version or a different part of yanam and there's a chanting going on in the background and all the pigs have eyes on their faces and there's loads of like petrified bodies everywhere absolute absolutely terrifying i uh, hate that area that is one of the toughest areas of the game too oh my gosh and if you get kidnapped and you're not ready to go there yeah it's particularly brutal right because you're you're, you might be you know might be had a run of blood vials or something like that or just just you know had a bunch of uh, echoes you wanted to spend or something and that didn't happen to me on my second this recent playthrough i didn't get kidnapped by him but it happened on the first i remember being so like choked by that like oh man like i i don't want to be here like i, I know yeah home. yeah and you're like am i am i stuck here like oh my god yeah, i'm screwed yeah, yeah it's horrible. you do you do feel you do really feel like you've been abandoned or, or yeah, just yeah. just teleported to somewhere you don't want to be that that sense of dread that events like this like that can happen in the game like it, it is incredible yeah well uh did anyone did you guys have any final thoughts or uh final summary that you had about uh, the game before we move on to the last call i mean i've, I've got a uh a question jordan you mentioned the chalice dungeons yes. is that is that strictly a post game thing or can you do them i think you can do them uh before that they might be they might be too difficult though i don't remember um they're i think they're kind of randomized so you use specific items in the um uh the area where the doll is and mm. you do the leveling up there's the gravestones um kind of to the south i guess of the um the, the house where you yep. do all your upgrades there's these gravestones and that's where you use the chalice items to open up these random dungeons and i think they have the different items in them and um uh, some of the, the harder ones i guess you can get to later in the game with different items uh they might have really really good uh, really good uh loot inside them um i remember them being very very difficult i think the enemies might even respawn in them uh i believe you can do the multiplayer okay. too Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a long time. I, I so, think I did a couple of them on my first run through the game, but I, I never really wrapped my head around the chal- the chalice dun- dungeons. I think they're kind of a cons- yeah, confusing concept, uh, but you Agreed. can do them mul- multiplayer, and I was keen to do mm-hmm. so, uh, but I never really got a chance to. But from what I hear, there are some like unique enemies down there, and yeah, I think if you yeah. go deep enough, there are some bosses who yes, just right. kind of wander around like they're not behind a boss wall they just kind of hang out down there which is <laughs> a terrifying concept that is terrifying for sure yeah uh, um but yeah i think you need i think you need specific items to gain entrance to them and i don't know how early hmm. you get those items so uh i'm, I'm just not sure when exactly you gain exact uh, so access that, to those the chalice dungeons are pretty much the only criticism i've heard leveled at the game is that they are i think maybe due to the fact that they're procedurally generated and so much of this game is in the intricacy of the level design that it kind of falls over yeah it goes it goes against the spirit of the game right it's all about kind of curating and crafting a very particular experience but these chalice dungeons they yeah they definitely go against that philosophy and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why they uh underwhelm Mm. for sure but by the same token i do but not to say not to say they're not worth trying. Yeah, like I, I, I think, quite like. You 
if you have an I quite like the idea of, of doing a bit of dungeon raiding using these battle mechanics and seeing how far you can get I think that that sounds like quite good fun it's particularly mm-hmm. in multiplayer which uh, again is something I haven't uh, been able to to get to yet I don't think I've got enough insight or the it's, right items or it's, something. it's very yeah. tricky it's very tricky to set it up like I it, it was easier when the game first came out because so many mm. people were playing it but now you know with the online community you know dwindling as we especially if we get close to the PS5 coming out but it might be a lot harder now you really want to you really want to play it with a friend but I think you need to be very close to each other in terms of your level there's a lot yeah. of little things to, to take into you, so you no longer have to be close to each other in level oh, if you, there is a good. pass okay. there is a passcode system uh, and if you both enter the okay. same passcode then it just ignores the level caps oh that's so, good okay yeah, yeah that because yeah. that, that, that was a pain of the butt when that first uh, it was first so technically was, yeah. Steve you could carry me through this whole game that is okay, that let's, is let's, correct let's yes, just, I could let's just do, do that. that I'm not going to okay. but I could <laughs> <laughs> Ben can stand to the side for emotional support. Yeah, I'll take loads of screenshots. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be the cameraman. I'm happy to bring along a character of, appro- of appropriate level and go through that for you, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to rob you of the Bloodborne experience by just carrying <laughs> you. What a guy. Ben can jump in with the final blow when the when the health's down. Yeah, to yeah zero. exactly. <laughs> yeah, just just stand back and throw Molotov cocktails <laughs> yeah, at the boss. Stand you know? triumphant. <laughs> like you're actually around throwing stones at the wall or something. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> this is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. Alrighty. Well, it's uh, if everyone's ready for uh, last call, it actually uh, this actually kind of goes along with it to a certain extent because. Um, for our last call this week, uh, the topic of uh, discussion is whether, because uh, we obviously we have uh, Demon's Souls uh, remake coming to PS5. That's uh, going to be a launch title, and that begs the question uh, whether or not, you know, what what will we see another Bloodborne? Will it be uh, a remake? Will it be a new entry in the series? Uh, I'm just curious uh, what speculation uh, you guys think, and if you have a. Um, a preference over which which of the two to go with would you rather just see the game remade as is and maybe glorious ray tracing detail or would you prefer just to see like a, a bloodborne 2 and and just go with something new so I, I is i think bloodborne might be on that ps5 uh ps plus list of games that you can just play for free on the yeah, ps5 yeah. Yeah. yeah all i want all i want from bloodborne is 60 fps that's it. Like I don't want. I don't. I don't need anything else. And then that frees them up to do Bloodborne Two, which is why I actually want. Easy. I I think I'm kind of the same. Like I, I don't need another no. another remake of this game. I think I think it's such a good game that a remake wouldn't add enough to no, justify exactly. that. You know, yeah. De- Demon Souls was one of the first one of if not the first game in this kind of new subgenre. So it makes sense to, and it's also stuck on PS3, right? It's a kind of a generation behind. So I think it makes more sense to remake a game like that. But Bloodborne, it, it, it it's still so playable today, and it's only five years old, right? Absolutely. It doesn't seem like it's it's earned uh, a remake no. yet. I mean, maybe maybe down the line, but uh, again, the the core experience is so good. Yeah, sixty FPS would be awesome. You know, if they can bring it up to even if they made it into four K or something like that, I don't mm. mind. But I, it doesn't even need it. It's so gorgeous already. Yeah. But yeah, I I think 
uh, you know, we've heard rumblings about a Bloodborne 2 or, or, or rumors or people just talking about it on message boards, whatever. And I'd love a Bloodborne 2. But I, I think that the problem with a Bloodborne 2 is, it, do you set it in the same in the same space? And then if so, does that if you do you go back to Yarnum? I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. I, I'd love to see a game like Bloodborne, but in a totally different setting. Right, like give me, give me the combat, give me the the way that the story is delivered, give me this connected world. But I don't, I don't want to see the same kind of color palette that Bloodborne has, which is it's very striking. But it's also it's this kind of the same throat, right? The the red, the deep reds, the blacks, the browns. You get a lot of that. You don't get the same uh, visual variety like you do in the Dark Souls games. So. If, if we did do another Bloodborne, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call it Bloodborne 2. I'd maybe want to call, give it a different name and put it in a different place, but just give it the same kind of mm-hmm. uh, commitment to environment, commitment to aesthetic, and the same combat style, but just put it some put it somewhere different, I guess. Yeah. like that, That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I'm, I'm not not 100% sure which way I would go. Like the, the aesthetic is so integral to the gameplay that it's... Uh, I don't know if I'd want like just a similar city to it, but maybe not Yarnum. Uh, but I've also been thinking about uh, whether it would be kind of neat the um, the whole Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors two coming out because kind of made me think of like well wh- I wonder what a prequel mm. would look like. Maybe you play as like Lawrence or uh, something where you're di- where you first discover the um, the labyrinth underneath the city. And maybe like the that's part of it, and maybe you get to experience the city before it became this gothic, uh, blood hellscape. Like if it's if if there's a part of the game where it's like you have the the kind of a lush green, I don't know, like a almost like a Vatican kind of area or something, and so that you kind of get the um the the contrast between mm. the, the the dark uh, evil presence that you feel now. Yeah, that could work. It would be. I, 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 I think I'm. I'd be inclined to think that they will just leave this as a one-off, just off the based off the fact that they've done other kind of, well, seemingly one-offs since Bloodborne's come out. So they're obviously Dark Souls. There'll be other Dark Souls games possibly, but I th- I wonder if they're just going to leave Bloodborne as is. You know, they've come out with Sekiro. Elden Ring's coming. I just wonder if they are quite happy to just leave this as one of the defining games of a generation. You know, loads of people have this as their favourite game of all time and just leave it as that. And I think that would be quite a beautiful thing to do in a, in a, in a world where we just see sequel after sequel of everything that's been a commercial hit. Mm-hmm. Just to have the confidence to go, nope, we're going to just create new IP. You know, I would. I can see that, and it 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 it, it would certainly um, ensure that it retained its kind of you know its kind of legendary status if it was the yeah. one and only. Don't it? don't but taint uh, the like, blood. I don't. I don't necessarily. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you'll be Nailed undone it. by the Nailed blood. It. Um, I, I I don't necessarily need a bloodborne too, but like as jo- as Jordan was saying, I just I would really love to have that experience, like a new experience like this again, uh, for sure. I don't know exactly how they would do that, because I, I also wouldn't necessarily want it to be in the same place or about the same thing. But I just I don't know if I can do if I can have it again. I want it. I want it. 
Like I guess I'm I guess I'm in the camp of hoping Elden Ring is more like Bloodborne than Dark Souls, just because mm. we've had and with the Demon Souls remake, we're now going to have five games in that style, right? Demon Souls, the original, the three Dark Souls games, and the Demon Souls remake, but only one game so far in the Bloodborne style, uh, more more fast paced, more again the, that interconnected world uh, of similar aesthetic. I'm, I'm hoping Elden Ring follows uh, suit with that, but. Uh, given how fast George R. R. Martin comes up with books, we might never see uh, Elden Ring ever. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I I I guess I am I am just holding out hope that that is kind of the next Bloodborne in a way. Uh, and we we yeah. don't really don't know yet, but we'll see. Maybe they'll just go the route of Assassin's Creed, and we'll get a an ancient Egypt version of Bloodborne and a Viking uh, Viking timeline uh, Bloodborne. Maybe you'll be fighting in Valhalla. Hmm. I mean, I, I definitely prefer this style of Assassin's Creed game, so I'm not I'm not against like putting Bloodborne in different kind of cultural or, or thematic settings. But there is something very um, unique and striking about the the Victorian mm. one that they used in this game. Like I, I don't I don't know if it would be as successful somewhere else. Like it, it, it's such a huge part of the yeah. what makes it great. Well, this was Sekiro going to like. Six, I think it was six, uh, like 16th century Japan or something, right? Yeah. Something like that. And I think people like that game, but I, I don't think it, it's nearly as as acclaimed or, or well or you know oh, well liked as sure. Bloodborne, right? Like it's, it was game of the year. Not my game, of the year. <laughs> and that's the one that counts. <laughs> <laughs> what what I mean is what I mean is I, I don't think there's people talking about Sekiro still Definitely as much not, as people no. talk about Bloodborne. And and Dark Souls, right? Those yeah. are def- they're defining. They they've created a again they've created a subgenre of, of of action games, right? Action RPGs. Whereas Sekiro was Sekiro felt like more of a spinoff, I suppose, uh, and just just taking things in a, in a different mm-hmm. direction. You know, yeah, I, I haven't be... played it, so I can't speak to it enough. But yeah, <laughs> making you making the bold uh, claim that it's not game of the year, <laughs> but you you haven't played it. I I yeah I I I but I but I also wasn't enticed to play it. Right? I didn't, no. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And oh no, this is, I know this is a FromSoft game, but that wasn't enough to get me to play this game. And you know, my brother played it. He enjoyed it. He introduced me to all these games. But I I don't even think he would say like you know go instead of like go out of your way to play this game when you can maybe we've got Demon Souls remake coming like you know, definitely play that instead it seems like so so i i yeah. I, I called demon souls the blind spot in uh, in my knowledge of these games but i haven't played Sek- sekiro either and i don't even necessarily include it i don't think in the same in the same sort of you know category yeah. as these as as these games i think it's something that is different enough that i don't really think it's the same thing mm-hmm. agree yeah well like you said i guess so uh... We'll see what happens with Elden Ring and then see what happens from there. I imagine what happens with Elden Ring will ultimately affect the route they go in some form or another. So uh, as as well will the reception to Demon's Souls as well, I guess. The, at the end of the day, it's all about uh, where, you know, where the money is, I guess. Like there, there's, I mean, uh, if, if Demon's Souls remake does poorly, I think they'll they'll they might not do another remake of any of these games. They might just say like, you know, we're just going to do, we're going to do new entries in, in this, in the Soulsborne uh, universe, but they're not going to be like, we're not going to go back to old games necessarily and try to remake them top to bottom. Like I, I do have faith that blue point is going to do a good job with this game, 
but that doesn't mean it's also launching the console and that that could be a big boost for it but it's always been a niche it's always been a little bit more of a niche series right even if people that play it lo- that or that do love it they love it a lot mm-hmm. well i guess only time will tell mm-hmm uh, I guess this brings us to our wrap-up segment. Man, this was a fun episode. I feel like we could talk about Bloodborne for for a few more hours at least, um, especially when uh, when Ben, when as you get further into the game. Uh, but I, I, again, I, I, we mentioned it earlier. I think it'd be great to do like a, a Dark Souls or, or a Demon Souls episode with you guys at some point. Mm, yeah, I think it'd be for a sure. lot of fun. Uh, it sounds like you know, uh, obviously, Steve, like you, you are familiar with these games, mm-hmm. and so uh, we've got kind of both sides of it, right? Someone who's uh, a veteran of the series, and then Ben just kind of stepping into this. I, I really do want to hear your takes on uh, playing Bloodborne first, and then going back to some of these other games, or, or even to Demon Souls eventually. So. Yeah, so uh, this is my long-winded way of saying thank you. Know, thank you for joining us, guys. It's great to hear your insight on thank these you. games, and uh, always good to chat. Yeah, no, always a pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, great to great to spend some insight as what, well. What? Uh, what? Uh, last time, uh, Ben, had the cross players already started when we did the Bastion episode? I can't remember. <sighs> or were you still, still Switch I Island? I can't remember either. I, I have a feeling we hadn't fully transitioned to the dark side. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to say I want to say that as well. You hadn't expanded mm. your horizons yet, but uh, yeah. So uh, it, for those who don't know, uh, Steve and Ben are part of a kind of a podcast and content creation group uh, called the Cross Players. They uh, talk about video games. They, uh, again, I, I went back. I was listening to an episode a couple podcasts ago. Uh, there were five of you on. Uh, and I was gonna uh, say that uh, David and I have drawn up a lawsuit because you 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 spend the beginning segment of your episodes also talking about the things <laughs> you're drinking, and so uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we're gonna allow that any longer. But uh, maybe maybe while you're here, you can you can plug your stuff. Where can people find yep. you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want if you want to hear another podcast where we talk about uh, alcohol, and we actually do all tend to drink alcohol on the podcast, uh, unlike some, Jordan. Um, yeah, we we yeah we have a weekly show called Crosscast, uh, which we uh, record live on Twitch on Thursday uh, evening, uh, Thursday evenings UK time. So it would be yeah your early afternoon, I'd imagine. Um, and that's yeah eight thirty GMT uh, on a Thursday, and that goes out live on Twitch TV slash The Crossplayers Live. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and we also right. do a few other uh, different kind of one-off podcasts, uh, cross-sections, which is what we will put this episode out as as well, where we have a kind of a deep dive into a particular game that some of us have been playing. Uh, and we also have a game club as well, which um, we are, our lawyers are drawing up a um, uh, <laughs> some papers to send to you guys to counter sue. <laughs> Uh, for the the game, touche, touche, <laughs> mutual destruction, and um, and that's uh, the positive way to think about this would be great yeah, minds think alike. But the, 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 there's 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 nothing short of plagiarism on both sides. I'd say it's a, it's a sign of respect. Um, no, so we that's that's going really well. We, yeah. That's been running a couple of months now. Uh, so we've just recorded our second um, episode of our monthly game club breakdown so we choose three games and then let our patrons uh, decide on the fourth game uh, that we that we all kind of play and some of us will dip into one game some of us will play a little bit of all of them and then we'll have a kind of a deep dive uh, and then decide what our favorite game 
of that month has been uh, and we'll invite some of so which uh, which four are you working on right now or which oh, four are upcoming uh, so we've been in october we have been playing uh rocket league resident evil 7 uh what else steve what else have we had bloodborne obviously <laughs> i can't believe um, i nearly forgot bloodborne <laughs> yeah sorry my <laughs> sorry what my headphones cut out for a second there you've got bloodborne rocket league resident evil 7 uh, uh what did he say anything else resident evil 7 and then what was the oh last God. one andrew's gonna kill us isn't he it wasn't oh, super, uh, metroid, yes, super metroid yes. talking was. was super metroid on the podcast yes, i was listening it was. to super it was metroid. And then, and then Ben Ben butchered my name, and I was like, uh, "Do we really want to have him on the Bloodborne?" No, no, no. And... I I'm the one that constantly corrects your name. It's Mike. That's uh, is it? Uh, Rudek, oh, Mike did. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so you're you're yeah. allowed to stay banned, and Mike is 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 banished, or he's yeah. he's he's banned. Okay. Um. Fine. So yeah, so we do that. So we create a lot of content. Um. Yeah. Mostly, most of what we do is podcasting, but we do a lot of uh, streaming on Twitch as well. So, yeah, if you like your uh content with a little bit of british humor thrown in then um yeah give us a follow on uh at the cross players on twitter hmm. i think i i think i said this before uh when when we had you on before ben that i really love that you guys like it feels like you're just kind of old friends getting together and talking about games like you're really just kind of shooting and, and it's just just hanging out and it it feels very kind of warm and welcoming you know like i i, I love that that kind of um not it's not that it's not structured like you you have you have segments yeah. you have you know different games you're going to talk about but it also feels like if you want to go off on tangents you're just going to do that you know like i i think that's uh what i really like about listening to your podcast anyways yeah no thank you i think we yeah that's yeah it's yeah it's it's casual it's fun that's it feels, definitely it feels what i enjoy about it yeah yeah, yeah. We, we just kind of want people to listen in and just kind of hang out uh hang out with us mm-hmm. really um there is slightly more swearing in that one though than yours as i demonstrated earlier <laughs> And I demonstrated a minute ago. Yeah, that David has kindly noted here. In the- yeah, I've marked it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, joke, we did joke We did. We did start off. Uh, I would say early mage episodes. Uh, I had to put the explicit tag on, uh, was, but we've we've mellowed in, in with time. <laughs> We're all getting older. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, definitely have to do this again, uh, and we'd love to, uh, you know, come on uh, one of your episodes, one of your shows, one time. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I know you, uh, you guys have a new kind of call-in show, is that right, Ben? I saw that on Twitter. Um, I can't yeah, remember the name uh, of it, but cross call. Uh, I mean, you were, you were on it, Steve. So cross call. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Cool. so we are we are experimenting with cross call. Uh, okay. that, that that was mainly trying to work out how the techno- the technology would work. Um, mm. We we worked it out as we were sort of launching the show to go live. We maybe should have worked that out first, but that's the order we decided to do it in. Um, <laughs> we, we made the mistake of not really giving people the time to know we were doing it, so we only had one call. But it seemed to work. We enjoyed it. Both Andrew and uh, Dan wore a suit, which was <laughs> amusing. So we'll definitely be doing that again, and we're going to give people notice this time to give people the chance cool. to call in uh, and have a chat awesome. with us. Yeah, sounds good. I I love that there's kind of different shows you're doing, different content, uh, different ways of uh, connecting with the audience. All that stuff sounds great. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll absolutely have to make this a more regular occurrence. Always fun to have you guys on. Uh, you know, and you know, best of luck with all uh, the the cross player stuff. I, I think the I think the move from the Switch Island to the cross players, uh, obviously very well timed with the uh, the new mm-hmm. boxes coming out. Um, but yeah, just, it's just it's just nice to be able to get to talk about, especially like for us, you know, like covering RPGs, like. 
there's only so many RPGs you can play that are on Nintendo platforms or on Switch, you know, and even if we might gravitate towards some of those, there's games, amazing games like Bloodborne uh, that we absolutely want to talk about that uh, that are never going to come to a Nintendo platform. So, uh, yeah, really, really fun to have you guys on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, so yeah, as I said, you can find uh, us collectively at the Cross Players, or you can find me at Benji Kong. Uh, yeah, and I am at Steve Jack. Cool, um, David. Uh, do you want to go through? Uh, yeah, you guys have a Patreon as well, right? Uh, so you know, if you if you haven't, you know, and you you've uh, you're interested in hearing more from the Cross Players, uh, you guys do have a, a Patreon, uh, patreoncom slash the Cross. Yep, simple as that. And um, yeah, so that's we yeah we start cool. from as little as a dollar a month, and um, our patrons get an exclusive uh, exclusive. So I'm I'm overselling it. They get a they get a weekly podcast uh, strictly for Patreon, which is our pre-show where we we talk about even more rubbish than we would during a normal show. So um, if if that <laughs> is of interest, uh, patreon.com slash the crossplayers. Uh, David, you want to uh, talk about uh, our our Patreon a little bit? Yeah. Just so the way ours works, uh, three tiers: two, five, and ten. So the $2 tier gets you a specific uh, access to uh, a Discord channel where we discuss topics that we'll be doing on the show. So you could be affecting uh, the games that we play or the topics that we talk about. And the 5 and $10 tiers uh, get you access to the Thirsty Mage Video Game Club, in which case you have access to... Uh, different games that come out so uh, it could be codes that we get from for new games that are coming out now that we uh, do some impressions for so you could write a review could talk about it um, in a podcast or on a youtube uh, video uh, or it could be old games that uh, maybe we picked up some retro games that um, we play for the podcast and then we fire off to uh, these these patron uh, people who are in this the uh, in these tiers and then the $10 tier gets you all those things plus it also gets you a producer credit on our content so uh, you'll be uh, listed as one of uh, a core producer of the uh, channel so uh, you get your name on the YouTube videos and that sort of thing so um, yeah three tiers for us so far and it's patreon.com slash the thirsty mage awesome uh, so yeah really fun episode uh, thanks again uh, Ben and Steve for joining us uh, thank you we've, we've got uh, I think we've got a theme episode coming up next week we're still kind of tinkering with it uh, we're yep. also going to have a, a what we've been playing episode we've got another one more RPG before uh, one more uh, longer RPG before the uh, the new consoles launch uh, and then we're going to be into uh, yeah talking about all the new games coming to uh, PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X uh, although one of those just got delayed, uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk uh, got ah. delayed till December, so we'll have to move that around a little bit. But uh, actually, I can't even complain about uh, having more time to play uh, the Demon Souls remake. So I- I'm actually happy about that delay. Thanks again for everybody uh, listening. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Thirsty Mage on your podcast app of choice, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good night and goodbye.